Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I am Deputy Editor Sherlyn Lowe, and joining me as guest co-host this week is once again senior writer Sam Rutherford. Hey, Sam, how's it going? Hey, how you how you surviving the second week of the Samsung Avalanche? I am but a zombie, and this is my demonized voice talking to you right now. Thanks for making the time to to help us out with the podcast this week. Uh, I think everyone is not going to be surprised this week we're going to talk all about our samsung product reviews we have been spending a bunch of time with the galaxy z flip 4 z fold 4 watch 5 and watch 5 pro we also have a special guest on this episode to help us walk through some of that stuff a personal tech reporter at washington post no affiliation with engadget whatsoever mr chris velasco himself uh we'll be talking to him uh shortly uh later on in the episode we'll also be covering some other news this week from apple land nintendo and and some other kind of interesting developments in Airbnb, so stay tuned for that. As always, if you're enjoying the show, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review on iTunes so people can discover us. We also live stream the recording of this podcast every Thursday morning at about 10 a.m. Eastern on the Engadget YouTube channel, where we can interact live and have Q&A sessions with the audience members. So if you have anything you want to ask us, hop on over. It's usually a fun time. So this week, uh, I mean, Sam and I have just been spending the last week or so really digging into the Galaxy Z Flip 4, Fold 4, and the Watches 5. And uh, we've been talking with all our friends about these things, including Persona Non Grata, uh, a personal tech reporter at Washington Post, Chris Velasco. Uh, hey, V. Hey, I'm back. And if I'm Persona Non Grata, why do you keep asking me to be on the show? Do I keep asking you? I feel like it's I I do it's it for I do it times. because I know I do it because I know the people want it. You know what I mean? Look, I, I wake up early to hang out with y'all. Like this is good for me to be clear, but it also takes a little bit of work. So hi, I'm yeah. back. Yeah, we appreciate you joining us. I am curious, V. Do Do you have the Samsung devices? Have you been spending any actual time with them? At all. What about so I'm wearing the Watch Five. I've got the old the old Z Flip Four, and then the Fold is here somewhere. And that's like my it's what I've been mating for the last 
since I got it essentially. But yeah, I've been putting in some time. Maybe not as uh, not as much as I would have been in the old days, but still kind of taking my time to get a feel for it all. I, I love that in the old days, meaning like when when you had Sam's current job. When right? I had <laughs> Sam's job, and Sam could probably attest to this, like. There are, there are just long periods of time where all you do is like touch a phone and take pictures of a phone and go to sleep thinking of a phone and wake up four hours later having to work on a phone. So, you know, it's 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 a lot sometimes, especially this time of year when things are starting to ramp up again. So we're all we're all just trying to get by, y'all. So, I mean, Sam, starting with you, has has it been more fun to review like a Fold 4 as opposed to like a regular phone? I mean... Yes and no. I mean, like, you know, kind of like uh, I'm in a similar position as V is where like, you know, my daily driver for the last year was a Z Fold 3. So I feel like I could not be more prepared to review the, you know, the fourth edition of this phone. And at the same time, it's like, you know, I'm trying to like dive in and find all the nitty nitty gritty differences. And there aren't a ton, but there are some that are important to talk about. And it's weird because I think, you know, for a long time, uh, Galaxy Fold users, you know, there are some things that like you pick up on that the average person might not. But at the same time, it's also important because for anyone who's thinking about diving in with their first foldable phone, especially the big one that we're using, um, it's it feels like, you know, finally it reaches a good place where it's like, oh, they, they've thought of not everything, but they thought of all the most important stuff. And and so it kind of feels like a new launching launching place for like the Z Fold family. I I want to give you a little bit of a history like story here, uh, Sam, because when you know V's whole thing, at least when he was at Engadget, I don't know if he's changed anymore now. Is that like you give him something just a little bit novel, like a bit of a novelty and whatever, and V would just run out and throw money at it until he gets it. Like <laughs> that's what he does, and that's what he does at like that's what he did with the original fold i want to say or the fold two it was the z fold two sam and i bought the same phone so you can't hate on me for buying this thing without also hating on your much closer and nicer friend uh, <laughs> <laughs> did, just the, I didn't the, know sh- the shade on all two. levels is just uncontrollable <laughs> i didn't know you bought a z fold two sam i thought you bought a three no like, i, I I've, I've bought the last two i tried to buy the original z fold and that was such a nightmare because all the unlocked ones, the inventory for the original fold was like incredibly small. And then uh, I tried to buy an unlocked one. Those were sold out. And then I tried to buy a locked one to AT&T. But they said back at the time their policy was it would take at minimum three months to unlock it so I could use it on my carrier because I'm not an AT&T subscriber. And I was like, okay, well, by that point, like the, the, the new one will be like three to six months away. And it just didn't make sense. So the reason I bring up V's history, uh, well, in part because, you know, V doesn't just do that with folds. But anyway, Sam, like I, the reason I tease Sam less about it is because like Sam doesn't do this all the time with everything. And V does this with almost everything. Uh, yeah, there you go. And uh, but the reason I brought it up is because like way back in the day when it was like the Z Fold, the original one or the Z Fold 2, you, I, I, I would have laughed at people for buying the original ones. Whereas now I feel like we're at a point where... No, I think I think you people should like, you know, feel comfortable buying these things, right? Am I right? Like V, do you think you your money would be, have been better spent on a Fold 4? So, I want to be absolutely clear. I I bought into the <laughs> hype as I so often do, and I feel like that's 
I'm going to defend that practice for just a second, because I think it is important for us. Like we get stuff for free. We get to test it. We send it back. Like there is a never ending flow of products just coming into and exiting our lives to the point where it can be like a little hard to keep track of it all. So I felt like it was important in that moment to buy a Z Fold 2 because it kind of felt like the first time a foldable was close to ready for the mainstream, especially that sort of like tablet phone hybrid style. So rather than trying it out for a week and sending it back to Samsung and like promising not to drop it and test the durability and stuff, I think a lot of us thought it was important to just like buy one and live with it and just like really see, really put Samsung's claims to the test. And I I don't regret buying that phone at all. That said, now that we're here two years later and the Z Fold 4 has gotten to the point where Samsung is just like, okay, we're good with the big stuff. Let's just focus on the nips and the tucks and the polish. Let's just get all the little things right now. Yeah, this is definitely the first time I would recommend a regular person consider buying one of these things. And it's probably not going to be the Fold because I don't know that I ever want to spend $1,800 on a phone again, but... You know, Z Fold 4 has been really interesting, too. You know, there's there's been a lot of change, and it feels almost practical, which is kind of a weird thing to say. Yeah, totally. Like, I, I feel like if you bought the Z Fold, the original Fold or the Fold 2, you were kind of like a tech weirdo. And then if you were – if you bought the Z Fold 3, you were like kind of like a power user. You're like, you know, you like, you know, talking about the bleeding edge of technology, and that's fine. But like – now you can sort of be like a normal person and buy a foldable phone, and it doesn't seem weird, I guess. Also, really funny in- uh, anecdote. So uh, my, my neighbors uh, below me uh, had a, a leak in their ceiling. And so I had a, we had a plumber come by to check out, make sure it's, the leak's not coming from our place. And the plumber had a Z Fold 3. And I was like, I was shocked. I was blown away. I did not expect him to have like a Z Fold 3. And he's like, oh, I love it. It's, it's, he's like, it's surprisingly durable. And like, you know, he had like these giant plumber hands. And it's like the screen, like the huge screen makes it easier for me to like navigate and touch on like small stuff. And he was just like, I've, I've already pre ordered the, the next one. And I'm like, Dude, like that's awesome. Like I, I, I'm always on the lookout for like seeing weird tech in the wild, and this was only the second time I've actually seen just like a normal person, like who's not in tech media, have a fold phone. I was like, oh, that's really cool. I the 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 when you brought up that point about you don't think anyone should spend eighteen hundred dollars on a phone. V, my thought was, and I want to use this as a way to get deeper into our review observations, right? Like my thought was like, do you really consider this a phone only, like? Would it be more reasonable that would that price be more reasonable if you thought of this as both a phone and a tablet? Yeah, and I think that's the way a lot of people do think about it with a little provocation from Samsung. Like that's clearly the idea here. But for me, like the way I think about my my like screen needs is that I need a phone for sure. I need a laptop for sure. Something in between is nice, but I'd probably want the size closer towards the laptop end of that spectrum for it to be because I spend a lot of time like, you know, who doesn't lay on the couch like watching yeah. movies from time to time or like digging into a book. And I, as much as I love like the Z Fold series has been the it was, I should say, the best e-reader to use on the subway because yes. you've got the full yes. size you need it. But then if you're, you know, if the people finally just like your your bench is like full all of a sudden, as always seems to happen, you just sort of close it a little bit or you're like, you you just kind of fold it. And you, you have like a little more room to do your thing without like 
feeling like you're manspreading with a phone, you know? So I think it's it's valuable, but I, I do think that if they if Samsung was to make a slightly bigger version of the fold or or I forget exactly which company does this because I don't get all of the phones anymore. Right. But there right. are companies yeah. that have the sort of when it's folded, it's a little wider, so it feels a bit more phone like. And when you open it up, it, it obviously like the aspect ratio is a little bit different. If Samsung went with something like that, I think that might be a little more useful. But as it stands, it's it's fine. I I just don't think of the unfolded form of a Z Fold as really what I need out of a tablet. And I think that's probably true for quite a few people as well. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say like I'm like we were talking about this earlier, but like I'm kind of like in the idea of like, I want to simplify the the devices that I use. And I, I'm kind of at a point where I don't want to own just a tablet. Like a standalone tablet is just like one thing that I don't have, want to have to think about managing, keeping charged, all of that. And so while the Z Fold series, like it's not quite a full tablet, especially because it's like it's definitely not as big as like an iPad Pro or whatever. It does just enough of the tablet stuff like e-reader or like reading comics or just stuff like that. Where it's like that's that's all I need it for, and it's like having the uh, flexibility to have a slightly bigger screen when I want that bigger screen, and I don't have to carry on a separate device. That to me is like the real appeal of uh, a Z Fold. So I guess my question to you, uh, and this sort of Sam is, do do you like the Z Fold for now that you've got almost a full week with it? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I liked the last one. I liked this one too, and they've made uh, a handful of like smart changes. I, I really appreciate that there's a longer telephoto uh, camera. I, I love telephoto camera or lenses on, you know, standard cameras and especially phones. Um, and so, and also I was kind of surprised uh, the addition of the Snapdragon 8 plus Gen 1 chip. I don't notice a huge improvement in performance, but I think the increased energy efficiency has really delivered a lot of longer battery life that I was kind of missing a little bit on, on the previous one. And so I think that's really nice. Um, the improved UDC is kind of whatever. It is a little bit more camouflaged, but it's not. It's definitely not a reason to buy the phone. Um, and so there are a handful of like nice to have upgrades. But I will say, if you are a Z Fold three owner and your phone is in good shape, don't feel pressure to upgrade. Um, this like the real people is for people who don't have any foldables at all in their life. And they want a big kind of multi multitasking, multi-purpose power user phone. It's, you know, it's yes, it's expensive, but like now's an okay time to jump in. V, do you agree? I do. But Sam, I want to, I want to pivot back to you real quick. We're talking about sort of the little changes that have come into Z Fold. Do you enjoy using the little toolbar thing that now sits at the bottom of your, your screen? Oh, the taskbar thing? The taskbar, sure. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think I like it, and I think it makes me want to use the multitasking features a little bit more because the taskbar that was on the right side of the phone, like, I went back and forth. Where, like, for a while, I pinned it to the side of the screen and was like, so you had a taskbar on the right, and then you had your, like, standard Android, you know, your home apps on the bottom. And that just felt a little too cluttered to me. And then so I turned it off, and then as soon as I turned it off, I never used that taskbar again. And so having that taskbar there where it dynamically changes between your standard, you know, Android apps on your main screen and then you get that little taskbar on the bottom, I think it encourages me to use the multitasking features more, which I think is important for a phone like this. 
Yeah, I'm totally with you. And we're talking for so Samsung devices, as a lot of people know, have like a little edge panel. The edge panel. Yes, thank you. I forgot exactly what You're Samsung's welcome. marketing speak was for it. The edge <laughs> panel where you tap it and like this little palette of apps slides out from the side and you can just sort of quickly access your shortcuts or your like app pairs if you wanted to run two side by side. And that was by far the thing that I would fat hand the most. Like my hand meat would yep. inevitably touch it. So I developed a really sort of intense and possibly irrational hatred for this thing. So that was that was gone the moment I figured out that my hands are just not compatible with it. So yeah, I, I agree having the taskbar down at the bottom that sort of persists as you do other things. It takes a little getting used to sort of visually because you're sort of I'm used to leaving everything else behind when I'm doing something on the internal screen of the fold. So having what amounts to like your bottom row of apps from your home screen, just kind of with you when you need it is sort of nice. I don't know that everyone's going to get a ton of use out of it, but especially if you're just like classic Android, right? If you're used to doing a swipe up and hold and just like whizzing through to do your recent apps. For sure. Like, it, it sort of replicates some behaviors that already exist. So it's nice. I, I, I admit to not finding it quite as helpful as I would have hoped, especially because I got the impression Samsung was trying to play up some of these little quality of life improvements. And I, as far as this one goes, I'm not sure I'm sold on it. Yeah, I, I, do, I do agree with you. And then I find that, that like making app pairs is a little bit more annoying now than it used to be. Which, to be clear, um, was always bad. Like, it was never an easy, sort of sophisticated thing to do. <laughs> yeah, and, and there's definitely a challenge for Samsung in that, like, they're trying to create, like, a new, like, gesture language for creating these things. And no one has really figured it out yet. Um, and so th there's always a little bit of awkwardness because they just haven't perfected it yet. I think I think we can talk, you know, even more like at length about the Z Fold Four and how we feel or how you two feel specifically about the Z Fold Four. But I do want to like weave in. I think my own experience with the Flip as well as yours. I think V because I think that is the best way to kind of talk about these two devices or the Flip, right? Because I personally feel like I the Flip phone is the the Z Flip Four is the phone or the foldable that everyone should be introduced to as their first like foldable. I think it's it's great. I have loved like my time with it. A uh, little bit of behind the scenes of like uh, review testing stories, but like with a Z Flip 4, I feel more equipped to become a TikTok star because <laughs> I can use the freaking oh, You were you were just saying how you felt too old for TikTok. I know. Uh I, I look Maybe I am too old for TikTok, but with the Z Flip 4. <laughs> what is happening here? <laughs> okay. Well, in testing this uh, Z Flip, this Z, the Z Flip 4 has given me plenty of excuse to just nonstop take a lot of random videos all over the place because it's so easy to just prop up on its own, whether it's closed or open um, in like that like flex mode thing. And then just using the, even though the cover display is completely useless as like a viewfinder, it's still somewhat like 1% like helpful in making sure you're kind of in the scene. And then the, the, the way it's shaped, right? Like the lit, not the lid, the edges of it are pretty flat. So if you want to like lay it sort of on a surface with its cameras facing out, you can. Or if you want to like prop it up for sure, if you want to like have it half open and like in the perpendicular, like a right angle and set it up, you can also use that. But a uh, word of caution, when you record any content, like pictures or video with the phone set up in that uh, way, the pictures come up, uh, come out upside down. 
uh, there's no accelerometer to be like, oh, you're using the external cameras, but you are also like setting it up technically upside down. Uh, we won't flip the picture over for you. Go into our photo editor and flip it twice uh, yourself. So anyway, that's just me enjoying the process of like using and testing the Flip 4. I will say one thing I thought I was going to like, and I want to hear what you guys think about this experience on the fold. I thought I was going to like the the flex mode panel, the flex, like the, that bottom half that turns black. I thought I was going to like it a lot more in the Flip 4 in one-handed use. And I just realized it actually just gets in my way. All it does is get in my way. Do you feel the same on the Fold 4? Uh, uh, Sam, I see you nodding. Uh, yeah, I, I I find... I, I don't think the that touchpad is very useful. I haven't found it very useful, to be honest. Right. And it's not just on the flip. So it sounds like it's on the Fold too, right? V, like, you were shaking your head just now? I mean, like, I've tried using, like, the multiple... Like, lots of apps have some sort of flex mode compatibility. So when you prop the device open, sort of, like... At 90 degrees, you can do something sort of different on the bottom half of the screen. And it's fine. Like, I get it. And it's it's sort of – I'm glad it exists, uh, but I've never found it particularly useful. And, yes, to your point, at times it does kind of feel like an active hindrance to whatever it is yeah. you're trying to do. Whatever you're trying to For do. For me – Right. For me, I thought this was going to be so great for when I like, I just lean back on my couch and I have it propped up in what Michael Fisher calls banana phone mode, which is like half kind of like curved. Right. And then, you know, I want to scroll Reddit on this. And I thought like I could use the touchpad, the new touchpad that they added to the flex panel as like a cursor for the top half of the screen. And then I realized it's actually easier to scroll Reddit if the screen is just like full screen. And you put your, you just scroll your thumb up. I was like, why didn't I think of this before? I guess I was just not really thinking, but then that's not even the problem. The problem is when I turn off or like I just, you know, X out of the, the flex panel. And if I happen to go into another app and come back to Reddit, the flex panel comes back. Like it just, it won't go away unless you fully disable the feature, which is in advanced settings. So I've, I've been finding myself a little bit frustrated here because I thought that Samsung had made a nice, you know, software tweak to give this form factor, I guess, like a, a, a new sort of function or, or a new mode that would make it more useful and whatever. But it turns out it actually didn't need to. And to be clear, this isn't like something that is happening by default. You have to actively go in and be like, oh, I want Chrome to have this. Oh, I want Reddit to have this. Um, and you can choose not to. And then there's also some apps that have better designed their layouts to work with this. So like Gallery, YouTube, uh, and Camera have way better like flex mode layouts. So it's specifically this one feature that I don't like and I'm spending a lot of time talking about. But um, <laughs> V. Is that not you, just the most like Samsung the thing, though? Like It really is. They have great ideas. And it's just like the execution, it's at best, like, pretty good. You're, I don't think anyone's, like, ever super thrilled about it. But when things go wrong, when they have an idea that, like, just doesn't stick, it's really bad. Like Bixby. But that's a story for yeah. another time, maybe. But I think you were asking me if I liked the the flip generally and i do i i truly i i'm with you 100 this is this is like foldables 101 for people who are just sort of like toying with the idea there's a lot to like about it and like realistically the way people should be thinking about it is it's a regular phone when you need it how much of a benefit how much of a benefit is whatever sort of flex mode f functionality you get sort of like camera stuff and just sort of like the little add-ons that are only possible because your phone can fold in half and just the the novelty of it all, which I, I still think hasn't worn off. Like, I still love these flip phone style foldables. They're so cool. So if you're getting uh, 
a solid, pretty close to flagship tier device for a relatively reasonable amount of money that does a bunch of extra things. Like now the argument is like, unless you're completely dyed in the wool iPhone, you know, why, why not? Like if you were going to buy an Android phone anyway, the barrier between you and a foldable is much, much smaller. And I thought as of last year with the Z Fold 3, what did Samsung do? They hit the $1,000 price point. They, yep, they brought it down, yeah. They got it down. The uh, sort of design started to finally feel kind of elegant. The external screen, that was the first time I think they made it bigger as well. So you could use it as a viewfinder when you're lining up selfies and stuff. Like they got so much right that I kind of recommended it to almost anyone. I, I should, oh, hold on. Let me rephrase that. I... I would have recommended it to everyone because of those things, except the battery was just kind of exactly. whatever. And I'm curious, like yeah. I haven't put in enough daily grind with the flip oh. to get a sense for Sherlyn, how is the battery on the Z Flip 4? Tell me it's better, please. Uh, yeah, bro. I have not had to like, <clears throat> the only day I've had to worry about it running out of juice at the end of the day was when I started my day with like a 9 a.m. gym class or something, which is, if you know me, is very unlike me. I don't even know why I got out of bed that early. You, you were doing we it for the video. Don't lie. I really, was. <laughs> I really was. It was like, oh, you don't even know how many gym videos I got on this thing. Um, so no. So I started the day full charge at, I want to say like 9, 10 a.m. Uh, went to like a bunch of things. Did oh, shot so many, so many videos. Ended up at like 10, 11 p.m. with maybe like closer to 15, 10%. So still not like the most right like i would rather it still had like 30 percent in the bank after 12 hours but i had been pushing it i had been doing a lot of you know re recording video and stuff like that that would drain the battery and it was a hot day so i don't know if that affects battery longevity but when you guys mentioned the snapdragon 8 plus gen 1 earlier i mean i think it makes a difference right i don't think it's just the 3700 like the 400 difference 400 milliamp hour difference in the battery size here that's doing all the work i think the Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1 um, so far has been great. I mean, I think I had some like issues with the heat, uh, you know, with, with the phone being a little warm at, when I was starting this up. And Sam can back me up here because I was like letting him him feel it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was just like you, ha was, you had it on a table and was just sitting there and I'm like, wait, yeah. why is this warm? Why, why is it this yeah. warm? Exactly. Well, it was downloading apps because it was just starting the phone up. This was like right after we picked up our review units. And, and since then, I actually haven't had an issue with it running this warm unless I actively left it in the sun. So, so far, honestly, I've been telling, I, I, guys, I don't know if you, this will come as a shock to either of you. I think I'm going to trade my Pixel 6 Pro for this. Like I'm going to give up the Pixel 6 Pro. I, I was going to say, I feel like this phone is fueling your selfie addiction in a way that no yes! other you're, phone you're can truly, can truly ma manage. <laughs> this is, yeah, yeah. This, you, this, you're talking about TikTok, yeah. and I was like, TikTok's not quite right. This is all about the selfie. <laughs> Sam's got me. No. Wait, Sherlyn. Sam knows me too well. Sherlyn, help us, help, help everyone listening sort of understand your, your approach to what phone you use for yourself. Because for the longest time, I think you'd use like a Pixel Three, even uh, even though we'd like you, long. Uh, you hated the Pixel Four because the front facing camera had like the tiniest distortion that I think ninety nine the ninety nine percent of people could not detect. But the yeah. selfie camera had a little bit of distortion. And you said it made yeah. your face look fat, and you're like, no, I will not <laughs> switch this phone because the selfie camera makes me look bad. 
So, 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 yeah, okay. So the Pixel 4, I didn't main for many reasons, one of which being, I think they introduced a wide angle selfie camera for the first time to that phone. And be in, in, do, in trying to correct the fisheye, potential fisheye distortion there, they introduced an issue where I would, my face would look fisheyed. So it was not great. And I never really actually adopted it for the, and, and what V is saying is that, yeah, I was maining a Pixel 3 for the longest time, even though, then the only reason I gave it up was because uh, Jessica Condit, my wonderful, amazing coworker, dropped my Pixel 3 and cracked the selfie camera wait, and I could no longer take wait, selfies. Wait, that's what happened? Your your phone's yeah. selfie camera was destroyed and you were like, I cannot live <laughs> yeah. like this? Every, there were scratches everywhere else and I was like, I'll live with this. But the selfie <laughs> camera was broken. I was like, nah, I'm done. The most Sherlin <laughs> thing I've ever heard. Yeah, you've had, you've had multiple phones with cracked screens, like broken ports or whatever. But if the selfie camera flicked, no, instant trade-in. Got it, got to get a new phone. <laughs> look, look, look. I know this is very often the road Sherlin show and rightly so but I will say the reason I've been holding on to the Pixel 6 Pro for as long as I have in spite of all the bugs in spite of all the gaslighting is that it has the best camera it's like not even just a selfie camera which is you know actually kind of mediocre the rear cameras are great and actually they have been great but I am just surprised I'm ready to give that all up for the Flip 4 because why the cameras actually aren't so bad. The only time I think the cameras on the Flip 4 are actually kind of awful are sure in some low light situations, like very, very low light situations. And then the selfie camera that's on the inside screen can be a little, can wash you out, right? Like it just doesn't look so great, especially not in low light. But otherwise, like I've posted a lot of like picture samples to Instagram and having people vote on them. And the all... All two of the sample sets that I've posted so far, everyone's voted for the Flip 4. It's it's kind of wild to me that like the camera quality on this has improved so much with just a pair of 12 megapixel cameras. Um, v, do you feel like the, I mean, the Flip 4 has a similar like camera experience for you? It's definitely better. And like, I'm, I'm in a weird place with cameras because I'm I'm playing with the, the flips and the folds and whatever. But because Android 13 just dropped, I've also been like, I've gone back to the Pixel 6 Pro because it's, it's truly just been a while. And I honestly forgot how good those cameras are. Yes. So I'm, I'm at the point where like, yeah, Samsung, like you're, you're definitely getting better. You've gotten considerably better over the years, both in terms of, I would say, color science and just like the general usability of your cameras. But if you want, like so many people do, just like the ultimate one click and you're done and you know you've got a great photo waiting for you on the other end. Yeah, I'm still I'm still Team Pixel. I know. Same here. Honestly, so the so my dilemma now, and this is a very unique tech person, tech reviewer dilemma that I know I'm very privileged to have. It's very much like, well, do I carry three phones around now? Like, or like <laughs> everyone's been like asking me why I main two phones. And I main an iPhone because I have to cover iPhones. That's because Chris Velasco ditched me. Um, then I have a Pixel 6 Pro because that is honestly my favorite phone. That has been my favorite phone because of the cameras and now like if I don't trade like if I don't give one up or I don't exchange them what am I carrying for my Android main is it the flip or the pixel or do I do three you know do three like- join join me join three are you doing three yeah it's it, right now it's iPhone 13 uh the uh-huh. fold four and the six pro just because like be, yes, it's an, it's an extremely it's too, it's privileged line of thinking. And like we are we are extremely lucky to be able to do this, but 
we we have the stuff laying around and like truly it is in like that informs our coverage too right like yeah, we're exactly. using devices that have passed sort of through the initial hype cycle and we're yes. you and not to not to be like overly nice to you cuz that's just not a thing that we do but you do a really good job on your Instagram, especially of just like reminding people that these older devices still work and you use them for, you know, you use them for your photos, you use them for all of these things. Like it is nice to remind people that this stuff does have a life that exists beyond yeah. like the mayfly mentality of a gadget reviewer who has to move on to a new thing every couple of weeks. Sam, do you feel the same way? I mean, like, wh- what do you mean, first of all? Uh, I mean, other I'm than still, the Z Fold. Still meaning the Z Fold. And so, uh, like, my my second phone kind of depends on use cases, and I think it's a uh, uh, V brought up a really good point where it's like when you have when you're testing out multiple gadgets and you find yourself just like subconsciously reaching for a different phone other than your main because it has like a better camera or something, you're like oh, and that's really interesting because like uh, in, in the before times before the pandemic, like I went on my honeymoon and I I had um you know my main uh, Samsung phone. And then I brought uh, a Pixel that didn't have, like, a cellular connection or anything just because I wanted that camera. And I didn't want to bring, like, my big camera around. So it's like I had that. And it's just, like, it's really interesting to see. It's like, you know, there are obviously, like, every phone has its differences. But there's, like, certain advantages that are so good that it makes you want to carry a second device around just so you have a particular feature, you know, at hand. I mean, that's, that's been me with the Pixel 6 Pro for the longest time. I, I do think I'm still going to carry it around just because it still takes the best, like, rear-facing uh, photo- photos. Um, but I had that experience throughout this review process of, like, constantly just reaching for the for the Flip 4, making sure it's... And that's why I've had, like, so much daily experience with it. Like, for the, for the most part, I take it out, like, midway through the day. And then the battery obviously lasts all the way through the night. And I'm doing taking a lot of photos and stuff like that. But I just I just love using it. It's so weird. I've not had a phone that I just love using like this in in all aspects other than like the camera. I just want to use and sit and use it. So I, I, I that's why I think we've truly reached a point where this phone, I think, is ready for like the mainstream, right? And I think that, sure, generationally, there doesn't seem to be huge changes. But I think the main one that's that's a big deal here is the battery life improvement and then I think the cameras, their microns are a little bit bigger for better low light photos. And that does make a difference for me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the and oh, the cover display is a bit more useful. You can add more widgets now and then reply to messages. And I have replied to a few Instagram DMs from there. And it, it, oh, yeah. I was going to say it's funny because I think the, the thing that I, people like the most about the cover screen is that you, now you can put GIFs on there. And so As, you yeah. can customize it. Um and I saw apparently there's there's some like forums and some subreddits where just people are just sharing all the custom gifts that you can put on there. And uh, I saw a Pokemon like a Charmander running across the screen gif. Um, yes. Our, from our friend uh, Julian over at Wired, and uh, that was like I was like, oh, that's really cool. I still think they need to make that cover screen bigger. Uh, I don't know about you, but. I will. I agree with you there. Like whenever I try to use it as a viewfinder, I can never guess if I am actually going to be in the picture. So I always, to be safe, use the wide angle um, camera on, in that case. And I would love to be able to have like a vague swipe keyboard to reply to messages to, even though I know that's ridiculous. It's still very small. But right now, when you want to reply to a message on uh, the cover display, like I, I was in a meeting or something and I was like, I got a DM or something and I was like, oh, let's reply from there. You could use, it's like very primitive smartwatch days of like, yes, no, LL, thanks, on my way. That sort of 
you know, canned message. Um, and so you can use voice, but then I hadn't had it set up at the time for voice. So it was not like you had to open your phone to do the permissions thing. So it was not, it's still not all there, but I do like being able to like, I was, I was, I was trying to tan on like the roof or something when I was testing this phone out and I needed to like leave in 10 minutes. And I was like, Oh, I don't want to go through, like, I don't want to talk cause there's people around me, but I was able to just use the cover display and be like, swipe, 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 set timer. That's it. Like it, I didn't need to do too much. I didn't need also, also I love that you can uh, record video and photo with this small thing because it does not look like you're taking a video of yourself when all you're holding is a half of a phone. So it's very subtle. No one will know you're taking Once a zillion again, selfies. Once again, fueling the selfie addiction. So you can take selfies without other people knowing you're taking selfies. I love it. This is great. This is this really is the phone for you. This is why. This is my very biased opinion of uh, the Z Flip 4 as a selfie-taking phone. But but onto less biased opinions. Uh, v, any last thoughts on the Flip before we talk about the watches? No, I want to get to the watch. But I do just to quickly note about the, the sort of cover display. Like, I want so badly for that screen to just take up a little more of that front face because mm-hmm. I want uh, an iPod. Like, I want to just be able to control, like, give me Spotify, give me, like, a full-ish screen Spotify experience or Samsung music or whatever, like, whatever you've got. Just put it out there yeah. so I can actively choose what to listen to without ever having to open the phone. It's it's the yes. one thing. Just just more than just play yes. and, like, I fast can't. forward and rewind. Yes. Just, like, like a, a couple yes. more things. Yeah, yeah. I'm begging you. I agree. Please, for the love of God, let me relive my 2005 high school days when I had an iPod and I could just – this little thing that's just good at doing one thing. Like, giving that screen a little more room to breathe, just – it could open up the possibilities for this phone pretty dramatically. So, Samsung, if you're listening, and I know you are, give it to us. We want it. Okay, bigger, thank you. Bigger cover yeah. screen. Do it. Do it and bring that, bring that, bring those Spotify tools because yes, I have been using the music player widget or the Spotify widget and indeed you can only do play, skip, whatever. And then you have a little, you, there's the name of the song that will play at the top of those buttons, but you tap them and it does nothing or it tells you to open your phone again. I'm like, no, you can give, you can right now, even in the size it is now, you can easily let me tap that and go find a different playlist from the screen. So if you're able to, yes, bigger cover display, but if not, you can just tweak the widget still. It's like a software issue. It's fixable. Anyway, uh, so V, have you been using the Watch 5 or the Watch 5 Pro? More? I don't have a Watch 5 Pro. I have a Watch 5, and so far it's... Oh, I forget. Yes. yes. <laughs> Only oh, uh, we're one comes, of the Here few comes people. the gloating. There we go. Go ahead. It's okay. Go for it. <laughs> I think we're one of very few people to also have a Watch 5 Pro. Okay. Well, I'm very pleased for you. And I'm, I am uh, undoubtedly a bit jealous because... I have since I've long since like given up the Apple Watch. I've been maining uh, like a Garmin Phoenix 6X, which I love partially because I'm trying to be a little more outdoorsy. Like I'm a I'm an old man. I should spend more time out in the real world. That's great. But also it's kind of better. You don't have to charge for three weeks. And that has completely reset my expectation for what a smartwatch should be able to do. So the watch five has been completely pleasant to you so far it's probably the best wear os thing i've ever used but i think i'm like it's been it's been a little over a day a little over 24 hours and i'm at like 54 percent. so like fine not not bad by sort of classic smartwatch standards but it's not where i am anymore and i'm curious sherlyn what has your experience been with the five versus the five pro 
So the five is where I've been spending more of my time. I think the five pro I'm really only going to do really like durability and uh, battery testing. No, I actually, I don't know if y'all saw this on my Twitter, you know, like you're one of my big fans or whatever, but um, I used, (laughs) I had done this ridiculous thing of where I wear three watches to the gym and you're not really technically supposed to do this, but this is more of like a, I just want to get in all my workouts tracked at the same time. Anyway, I wear the um, Sam's, the Watch 5 on the, my right wrist and I tune it for the right wrist. Then I wear the Apple Watch on my left as well as then for this one time where I was testing the Watch 5 Pro, I wore the Watch 5 Pro above the uh, Apple Watch further up my forearm. So then that day at class, one of the workouts we had to do was front rack kettlebell squats. I don't know if y'all know what that is, but it's when you take the kettlebell, which is like a a round thing with a grip you flip it onto your wrist sort of and you squat with it so so basically it's like flipping a giant ball or like a heavy weight onto the back of your arm a little bit um and 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 then doing squats while holding it like that so but the thing is that like i didn't remember that i had the watches on so the first time i flipped like a 26 pound on each wrist i was like oh shit one of them must have broke one of them must have broke, but neither of them did. My left wrist was, you know, perfectly fine. The Apple Watch and the Galaxy Watch 5 Pro were bro- both durable, um, which, you know, and also the Galaxy Watch 5 on my right wrist was fine. So I mean, I, they're both fairly durable, um, but they definitely were very cumbersome. And again, I had three watches on. Like it was going to be cumbersome no matter how small they were. But the Watch 5 Pro particularly felt like something I don't think I would enjoy wearing to the gym, especially if I had to like fl- front front rack anything else or like clean anything else like it's just a lot in the way i don't know what your experience at the gym has been like v well uh i haven't been to the gym in the while in a Uh while but question okay so do you remember probably pretty close to when we first met and pretty close to when we started working together we we got the galaxy s7 active and we were shooting a video oh my gosh, and you, yes. <laughs> I think it was only, <laughs> I think it was like designed so you could drop it maybe like 10 feet and instead you dropped it down like a stairwell so here's, here's, that encompassed like three floors of the old Engadget yeah. office. Can you do that yeah. again with the, the Watch 5 no, Active and just see if I will not. Okay. I'm one of three people that has the Watch 5 Pro. I'm not going to do this. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> the story is, this was one of my first reviews for Engadget and I was like, Oh, okay. Let's test the durability. There's this beautiful staircase in the in this in the office building. Samsung is like you can drop this up to six feet, right? In my head, somehow I converted six feet, which is the height of a person, to like six stories, <laughs> which is the height of a building. Maybe maybe six meters. Let's be a little generous. Too maybe six here. meters. Let's yeah, maybe that. I did six meters in my head, right? I you know at that point I had only been in the U.S. like five ish years. So I was still thinking imperial metric. Anyway. Decided to go to the top flight of a three, uh, top of the three flight stair thing, and then dropped it, and it expectedly broke. And we caught that on video. And then I told Samsung, they were like, "What the fuck did you?" Well, they were like, "What did you do?" <laughs> and I was like, "They never sent me an active phone ever again." Just FYI. So it's not as bad as the time I destroyed a Sony Xperia while shooting an Engadget. Oh, I hated. I know. I I, 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 I so felt so bad about that, but. 
suffice it to say, like when you're doing this kind of, when you're working on a review like this, like there is usually language in the document that you signed to get the stuff that like, you can't, you can't smash it. You can't treat it, you know, outside of like the normal bounds of the way a person would use a phone like this. So like there will be limitations to like how detailed we might be able to get, I think, but yes, about the durability anyway. Yeah, yeah for sure. So that's, that's, been like one of my biggest questions about the watch 5 pro like if i'm gonna buy one of these things and at this point like i could i could feasibly see that like i enjoy a samsung phone i could live with a samsung watch but it would have to be it would have to be the pro like i need the battery life i need the durability i don't mind the chunk i like big watches and i know that's not for everybody but um really quickly before we move on to like general other thoughts i wanted to ask like I, I don't enjoy the new curvature on the underside so much because it feels like it's almost oppressive for me on my wrist. Uh, and then the and, and, and this ties into the, the other thing I want to talk about, which is that it makes it more uncomfortable for me when I want to test sleep tracking, which people who know this podcast know that I hate testing sleep tracking. And I already hate it. And this already this feels like it's just I don't know, it wraps around my wrist a little more snugly, which was the whole point to begin with. But, you know, Sam, do you like to use your watch to track your sleep? Uh, no, but I have a smart mattress, so uh, yeah. Um, but I, I think I think you bring up an interesting point because you know when you have bad battery life, um, in like you know, especially on the the Galaxy Watch Five, you're getting about two days of battery life, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that means like when do you charge it? Do you charge it at night? Because if you're do if you're charging at night, that means you're getting every other night of sleep tracking. So it's like you're getting very spotty information. And if not, then you have to charge it in the morning. Um, and so it makes the whole idea of using your watch to sleep track uh, a little less useful. Um, That's a really yeah. good point. And also just to throw out there that like as it stands right now, like we have had these watches for maybe maybe a week, something like that. This battery life is as good as this battery life is ever going to be. It's all yeah. downhill from here. So if you do rely on these devices for sleep tracking – Give it like a year and a half, you'll probably have to be way more judicious about when you charge and like when you get to do it. Because like there will come a point if you use these things long enough that it will probably not make it through the night. So that's why, again, yeah. that's I know I'm talking about battery stuff a lot, but that's why like watches with multi-day, multi-week batteries have become such a thing for me. Because you know at some point that capacity is going to dwindle. Like you're not going to be able to get that full extent. Is what's on the other side of that divide still going to be good enough for you? I'd rather spend a little more on a watch that I know is going to last for three to four years versus something I might have to consider replacing in two. I mean, Garmin versus Samsung watches are are kind of different beasts too, right? Like the Garmin watches are very, very specific uh, purpose-wise and the OS probably just drains a lot less battery, probably does a little bit less stuff uh, in terms of the The multi- screen technology is also like not nearly as nice. So there's trade-offs for sure, but... yeah. Um, but you know, I, I, I do think that if someone's looking for a long-term like battery life above all, then there is definitely devices that you should consider that are not Samsung or Wear OS watches. And to Sam's point, I think, I think no, it was your point that this is the best Wear OS watch you've used, Sam, you know, a V God, I'm so confused. Um, I, <laughs> <clears throat> I was sorry. I was surprised because I was I'm like, this is a compliment. Oh, wait. Yeah, it is. Uh, I was going to uh, do the opposite way. Okay. <laughs> Same page. Fair. Yeah. Makes sense. 
I look, I was just like, oh wait, this is a Wear OS watch. Like I keep forgetting. I keep thinking, like, why is Tizen so shitty all of a sudden? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> for a Wear OS watch, this is good. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, oh yeah. Like there is that touchless bezel uh touchless. There's that like um digital bezel there that I barely even use on this model. Like it's just not great. I prefer swiping. And then um, you know, if there were a mechanical bezel, I would use it. And just in general, this watch so far, to your point, has like, yes, lasted about as long as an Apple watch for me. But I, I generally charge it around like midday, like when I am working and I'm not actively using my watch. So I haven't found like, and, and to, to answer your question, Stan, like when do we charge it? I charge it at that time. So I'm not usually using it to track sleep or whatever. It charges fast enough too. Like in something like... 30 minutes, you get like 50% up. So if you're only, you know, and if I also charge daily because it becomes like a habit thing as opposed to like a, you know. Yeah, I've heard I've heard a lot of people have taken to like charging their phone like um, after they like first get up in the morning while they're like brushing their teeth and like doing like their morning routine. And so like by the time like they've brushed their teeth and they've had their coffee or whatever, then the phone's back to normal. And if you, you know, if you can do that, if you find that uh, in, your, in your routine, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I do want to say that like, I feel like I've said this a lot, so I don't want to repeat myself too much, but like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm like mentally preparing myself for the death of the, the rotating bezel because I, Samsung hasn't said this yet, but the fact that they didn't put it on either of the watch five or the watch five pro, and they're still keeping the, the galaxy four classic on sale. I feel like this might be the, the, the death of the rotating bezel, which makes me sad I kind of get it because it's like makes things like a little com- more complicated from the manufacturing standpoint. But you know, th- this is this is like my like mental RIP to the rotating bezel, which I love, and I'm still using the watch for a classic. And it's just like being able to dismiss notifications or like spam calls or uh, calendar reminders just by like I don't even have to look at uh, the watch. I just like rotate it left or right because I know like you know left is the direction. Yeah, and it's just like it's so fast and it's so easy. And I'm I'm sad that it's not going to continue. Probably they haven't said it for sure, but this is like my my eulogy to the the rotating. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, we are we have talked for like almost a full hour about Samsung, so I I, I think you know we have to save our other thoughts like long term battery performance, for example, um, for another time. But you know, a V still so confused v do you have any final thoughts no no parting thoughts i mean like i think we've covered a lot of ground here but it's, it's always a pleasure to hang out with you guys and just sort of talk shop again it's 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 uh it's good for the spirit so i'm glad to be here thanks for joining us uh and you know for, for i i have to make a disclaimer that everything i said about chris velasco was a teasing and not any you know genuine malintent that sort of thing so where can uh people find you online chris velasco well it's funny you should ask because i've just changed a bunch of stuff you can find me at chris velasco on twitter if you want to follow some if you want to follow velasco field on instagram for whatever reason check out your pal velasco because that's a thing that i do now y-o-u-r-p-a-l-v-e-l-a-z-c-o isn't that right exactly thank you i wasn't gonna spell that for myself all right well thanks again for joining us uh we'll talk to you soon Thanks. Bye. So outside of Samsung reviews, there has been some other news this week, particularly Apple 
Like in case you forgot, iPhones are on the horizon. Apple may be planning to have its iPhone 14 event in September or on September 7th. This is according to a Bloomberg report. Um, I believe Mark Gurman is the one that. Uh, yes, it was by Mark Gurman. Uh, according to sources or people with knowledge of the matter, uh, Apple is aiming to launch the iPhone 14 at a September 7th event which is very, very soon. Typically, the Apple iPhone launch event is in mid-September. But I guess, I mean, sure, move it up earlier. I don't need a break between Samsung and Apple. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because, I, you know, we were talking to some other, you know, colleagues in tech media and stuff. And I think the, the word on the street is everyone's just kind of annoyed. Like, it's too soon. Normally, it's the second week of September, um, and so by putting it on September 7th, assuming this is correct, uh, it just feels a little early. And like, kind of like you said, I think a lot of people are looking for a little bit more of a break between events because, you know, we had Samsung unpacked a couple of weeks ago and, uh, Google doesn't usually do their thing until October. So it's nice to have like, you know, Apple in the middle of September with a little bit of buffer on each side. Right. Right. With the, especially these like the big companies, right? Because not to forget, there's little companies like OnePlus just launched the 10T. 10T? I already right. forget the model numbers. And they launched the 10T on the same day as Samsung Unpacked. And like that was probably a mistake from their side. But, you know, uh, who, am I, who are we to tell companies what their scheduling should be? I mean, not to like be moaning and groaning about the timing here because Apple launching its devices a little bit earlier may make room for other companies to not overlap, right, the rest of the year. Like, I think one of our biggest issues was like all the, like last year, I swear to God, last year, it was like Tuesday, Apple event, Wednesday, Google event, and then Thursday, like Amazon had a thing that was not that important or Facebook had a thing. So it was like, all right, maybe, maybe Apple doing this is you know, good for us. But anyway, enough of the like media insider stuff, because I, I can complain about that forever. Um, at, at the uh, next iPhone event, anyway, according to this same Bloomberg report, uh, you know, we're expecting to also see new low and high end iPads, multiple new Macs, as well as three Apple Watch models. Um, I don't think any of this is really a surprise. I think we've been waiting for like a MacBook like bigger MacBook Airs or like newer MacBook Pros with the M2. So that's pretty, pretty to be expected. And then we've got the low and high end iPads, which are for sure due for a refresh. And, you know, the Apple Watch Series 8, it's got to come, right? Watch OS 9 needs new, needs a new machine to be in. Sam, do any of these products excite you? Um, No, I mean, kind of like you said, I think a lot of this is like, you know, Apple has a very like, you know, set roadmap like you know they they come out with like the lower power stuff and then like they revamp the the macbook pros in the fall i think to me this is kind of like the apple watch is year time to shine um just because it's like you know the, the rumor is we might be getting an apple watch pro um which i you know we kind of saw like you know Samsung do the Galaxy Watch 5 Pro and then now it's this is Apple's watch do uh, Apple's turn to do like you know their big fancy you know kind of twist on the same idea and so I think it'll be interesting to see how they do that and I, I think Apple will probably have a, a somewhat different approach to that um less focus on like the necessarily like outdoorsy like I don't think we're gonna see a titanium frame um but I don't know what do you what do you think I know I don't know about a titanium I feel like that might still be in the mix like you don't know I don't really know what kind of material they want to use for their casing I do feel like a pro model would potentially be more durable I almost feel like 
you know, uh, upgraded sensors maybe, and more like uh, built-in stuff like GPS without your phone tied to it, or or like right, or just even like a bigger battery. a bigger screen in general. I think is something that I think people would be curious about. Here's here's a question for you: Do you think Apple, not only in the Pro model, but let's start with the Pro model, will Apple ever move away from the square face? Ooh, I, and this is like one of those big things because like you have like, like the watch camp. It's like there's people who like round faces and there's people who like square faces. And then there's a, a lot of people who just don't care or don't have the choice because it's not like there are any other like native Apple watch smartwatches. Like you have, you know, you have one choice. And so I think there's like this weird Stockholm syndrome where like people love the square face of the Apple watch because that's the only thing they can get. So they have to love it. Right. Um. I, I personally would really love to see Apple do a round face Apple watch. Um, I, I kind of, you know, I'm, we were talking about this last week, but I, I'm kind of more of like a watch traditionalist. I like that round face. Um, at the same time, that would probably be a lot of work from the software team because they would have to re-engineer how a lot of the UI, you know, like UI layout and display looks on a, uh, on a round watch face. I, I I don't think we're due around Apple Watch anytime soon. I just wanted to throw that out there just to be like, stir things I, I up. I think it would be really interesting, but I agree with you. I don't think it's coming anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't really know what else to expect from, let's say, like a, a pro model of the Apple Watch. But, uh, man, I, I, I hope it does better sleep tracking, I guess, even though that's not really <laughs> important to me as a non-watch wearer to bed. Um, but other things like the low end and low end and high end iPad, right? Like I looking at the product list that, that we expect for the next Apple event, we've got iPhones, Macs, iPads, and watches, right? I would rank the iPhone 14 as the top most probable, then the watches, and then the MacBooks. So I feel like the iPads, maybe Google, uh, Apple will do a separate event for them like they've done before, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. The, the iPad, like the whole category is just kind of in a weird place because they added the M1 chip to the iPad and now the iPad's really fast and faster than it really needs to be. But um, I think, I, I, so it's like, really they're just talking about like filling out the different sizes and making, you know, filling out the different price points and making sure there's like a configuration that works for everybody. But like, I, I know, I feel like the iPad is kind of a, a less interesting category, at least for right now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just like iPadOS is kind of matured. And then we, what are we waiting on? M2 iPads at this point? It's like, oh, ho-hum. I, and it's kind of weird that we're at a point with <laughs> the iPad that's like, oh, boring. New chip that's like even more like incredible and faster than before. Oh, I don't know. Okay, well, moving on, Sam, did you hear about this new report that says there's been sexual harassment and gender discrimination at Nintendo of America? Yeah, and this is just like another face palm event because it seems like the whole Blizzard Activision thing all over again, but this time at Nintendo. And it's just like, uh, you know, you have people just, they're claiming that they've been discriminated against, that there's, you know, there's the weird report about one Nintendo employee writing about how it's okay to be sexually attracted to Vaporeon, which is just like an insane topic. Um, it's like, you know, they're, they're just, he's debating about which Pokemon is sexier. And it's like, oh, okay, I don't really know how to tackle this. And then, you know, there are more, you know, really tangible concerns about how, you know, some women employees are getting paid less than, you know, their male counterparts. And it's just like, it seems like, you know, there's a lot of this going on in the video game sector in uh, industry in general, and it's just it's just really sad to see this happen. Especially, you know, you you we saw this whole thing happen at Blizzard Activision. Just like 
that should have been a call to action for every other company to go through their their company and be like, hey, what are we doing here? We need to fix this. We need to make sure that people are being respected and people are being paid fairly. And it's uh, it's just really frustrating. It they it, you're right. You mentioned that uh that Vaporian um uh, post uh that one employee uh. I guess, shared in the, the workplace. I just want to make clear what happened here. So basically, Kotaku uh, published a report where they interviewed uh, a few you know, employees uh, at Nintendo. And you also, by the way, wouldn't think of Nintendo as like a, a frat boy culture type of place where there's a lot of sexual harassment and gender discrimination going on because Nintendo has so much more of a Disney feel to it, right? It's more of a... <laughs> and then the Disney association is not great either because Disney has been racist for so long and just toxic for a very long time as well. So maybe we should have known all along. But uh, this report um, talks not only about that that um, post about Vaporian, uh, like you said, is also about you know pri- uh, being paid differently right this one person mm-hmm. uh that they interviewed or spoke to uh was a contractor that found out that she was being paid three dollars less than a junior male tester and that she had to struggle to get you know a pay increase and she also felt like as a as a queer worker she felt subjected to inappropriate comments made by male colleagues who who made advances on her and she had rejected them and then you know apparently they said oh you're a lesbian that's kind of sad um uh, apparently a significantly older coworker had told her that. So this is the sort of stuff that I think in the past we've all been we've heard about, right? Like I feel like we we hear about these things happening at workplaces and specifically in the gaming industry it feels like more prevalent than most. Like gaming has always been so dominated by male like workers and male players and all of that stuff. So it's good that people are speaking up now. It's disappointing to see our fav- some of our favorite brands sometimes be, you know, mired in all of this. But I, I don't know. Do you feel disappointed at Nintendo, Sam? Yeah, it, it, it's more of a disappointment because, you know, you Nintendo has been around for so long. And they're like, you know, obviously one of the biggest names in video games. And you just you just want these companies to do better. And I think the other thing that kind of like is really disappointing is that there was a report earlier this year um, from IGN about how contractors... Uh, at Nintendo of America felt uh, described themselves as second class citizens. And so this kind of ties into some of the reporting that Kotaku did. And it's just like, there, you can't, you, you got to make sure that people are feeling respected and feeling safe and not being harassed at the workplace. This is common ground for any workplace. And, you know, to see a report like this come out in the spring, and then to have another one come out, you know, this summer, it's just, you know, you kind of wonder like what's really going on behind the scenes. Yeah, it feels like also it's an it's something that's in every company rather than just like Activision Blizzard. You know what I mean? So this is I'm sure we're gonna hear more about not only Nintendo of America but lots of other big gaming companies soon. Um, speaking of Activision Blizzard, by the way, uh, this week we also learned that <laughs> the company was accused of spying on protesting workers. Uh, great news! Like just take like learn the lesson i guess is is it is the is what is what the young kids say is it take the l <laughs> is that what it means? i guess yeah i don't know um, there the um there's the communications uh, workers of america union has filed a an unfair labor practice charge accusing activision blizzard uh, of illegally surveilling workers during a walkout in july uh when they were protesting over gender inequity so 
it's kind of like your worst nightmare, right? Like when you're protesting or when you're like unionizing or whatever and, and you get, you know, fear of retaliation or you don't know what the company is doing to you. Uh, I don't know. Sam, what did you feel when you heard about this? Um, it, this kind of ties into me with like the, there's a lot of labor issues at play in the, the media, tech media industry or just the tech industry. And, you know, we see like, you know, Starbucks is fighting a b- back against, um, you know, stores that are trying to unionize. And Amazon is fighting back against uh, warehouse employees that are trying to unionize. And now Activision is kind of fighting back against, you know, some of their unionized workers. And it's just like, it, it's really sad because you, you see these uh, companies, it's like, you know, these people are organizing together to argue for better benefits, better protections, uh, better job security. And like, you know, if we live in a world where companies get the final say and they anything they say goes, it's just not it's not going to be a balanced, you know, you're not going to have a good balance between, you know, company goals and, you know, personal employee goals. And I think that's kind of where that like battleground is right now. Yeah, I think we're having a reckoning all across like every industry, right? Like it's people are so afraid of unions. People are so afraid of giving so-called giving power to workers when actually it's, it's mutually beneficial or it can be mutually beneficial. And the idea of like your workers are only resources for you, you know, to churn out productivity and meet goals that's antiquated at this point. So, you know, hopefully not only the gaming industry, but everyone else that works in any sort of non-self-employed capacity We'll find a way to to have a meaningful like relationship with their employers. I also want to point out though that Activision Blizzard did you know provide statements to Engadget saying uh, that the chat accusations were false. The Communications Workers uh, Association, the CWA's uh, characterization, willfully ignores the facts. Uh, while preventing the company from protecting workers against abuse. And it also argued that its only overseers for workouts were public relations staffers standing at a, quote, respectful distance to answer questions from the press. So, I mean, Activision Blizzard denies that it was spying on these protesting workers. I always wanted to just, like, provide what the company said. Just so you all know, this is what the company's uh, uh, point of view is. So... You know, that's the story. And obviously, we're going to keep following the developments as they happen. Uh, on to something hopefully a little bit more fun slash maybe a little bit underwhelming. Uh, Android 13 is out of beta this week. Hey, I did not expect this news. It happened, I want to say, on Monday. Um, and when I was reading the press release before we like decided to write it out, I was like, oh, Android 13 comes out to AOSP. Cool. Like, all right. Whatever. And then I realized, I was like, wait, this is Android 13 we're talking about. It's not even out of beta yet. It's been like in beta for so long that I'm like, I thought it was already out of beta, but no. So this week, Android 13 is coming out to the public. It's no longer in beta. That doesn't mean it'll be stable, though. <laughs> I doubt that that's the case. What? And, th- and this yeah. is just for Pixel phones right now. Um, you know, we're expecting a wider rollout. It always takes some time for, you know, the OEMs like Samsung and OnePlus and whoever to kind of customize the latest version of Android for their specific phones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to, like, refresh your memory, this version of Android, I personally don't feel brings a lot of major updates or improvements. Like, Android 12 brought Material U. That was beautiful. This time around, we're getting, like, more customizable icon types that the system can generate for you. We've got, like, a new QR code scanner in the quick settings dash 
board. We've got a new like media playback box on the lock screen. Um, little things like that that are more obvious. The rest of the stuff seem to be a bit more under the hood. We've got more fine-tuned privacy controls. We've got like a different image picker. Um, again, if this sounds granular and your eyes are kind of glazing over, that is Android 13's fault, not mine. Um, but yeah, if you have a Pixel, you can already get it today. Check for an update in your phone. And uh, if not, just try to force update it. Um, Sam, I saw that you checked out a very interesting looking gaming uh, monitor. I don't know if it's a gaming monitor. You saw a very interesting looking monitor from Samsung this week? Yes, uh, the Samsung Odyssey Arc. And it is a gaming monitor, even though it is a 55 inch display, which is like, number one is like, who has room on a desk for a 55 inch monitor? But honestly, I, I tried it out. I only I, I played with around with it for about an hour-ish. And it's kind of incredible uh that said it costs thirty five hundred dollars so this thing is like the same price as like a high-end tv um and so what what samsung is doing here is you know they've been kind of like expanding their odyssey or yeah their odyssey gaming monitor line and this is kind of their new flagship it's got uh, a mini led panel 55 inches and it samsung says this is the world's first gaming monitor that is 55 inches has 165 hertz refresh rate and a one millisecond response time I mean, so, you know, for them, yeah. Yeah, and, and so those are like, you know, really great specs. You just want you want good refresh rate and good response time so you don't get that lag or ghosting in games. And then, you know, it has a, a 1,000R curve, so it kind of wraps around you. And it was kind of funny because it's like I went there and I was asking the Samsung, he's like, so how how close am I allowed to sit to this thing? It's like you're probably going to want to keep like, you know, a good two to three feet back because if you just get your face into it, it's just it's too much screen. Um, and it's, it's really incredible. And then they have, uh, not one, but two remotes, both of which have solar panels built in. So you don't have to worry about recharging them though. If you, you know, if you live in a cave or something, there is a USB-C port on them. So you can still plug those in. Um, and, uh, they have, uh, on the one, uh, dial, one remote, it's the wireless arc dial. And that's how you use to change between a whole bunch of different gaming modes. You can, you know, it has your standard gaming stuff, with, you know, changes automatically between genres for like if you're playing a shooter or a fighting game or something like that. But it also has uh, a multi-view mode. So you can have multiple windows or apps open at once. And you can also have a flex move screen. So if for some reason you don't need like all 55 inches, you can move the screen around to different positions um, there is one little caveat. Uh, it does have four HDMI 2.1 inputs, but because of a limitation of HDMI, you can only use one input at a single time. So if you have, say, like your PC or your Xbox plugged in, you can only use that and then the built-in apps on the TV. So the TV supports like, you know, Samsung's browser, and it also supports um, a bunch of game streaming um cl- uh, cloud game streaming services like uh, GeForce Now, Stadia, Xbox Cloud Gaming. Um, so you can only have one external, uh, output on the screen at the same time. And then you can use, you know, two, uh, of the apps that are built in on the, the monitor itself. It, it, so it runs with some kind of OS. It's not something that you like. Yep. This, this runs, you know, Samsung's basically Samsung's like smart TV, TV OS. Right. Um, and so you have all those, you know, the same functionality. The only reason this isn't a TV per se is because it doesn't have a built in TV tuner. Um, Interesting. So, yeah. So think of it more as a TV than as a monitor that you like extend or, or like, you know, plug into your computer, I'm guessing. Well, I mean, you, you can certainly use it as a monitor, but just from like a, you know, technicality standpoint, right. that's, that's kind of the main difference. Okay. And then finally, there's the, the big party trick. 
Um, you know, a lot of people like having a portrait mode on the monitor, and this thing has a portrait mode too, except Samsung calls it the cockpit mode. And you can rotate it 180 degrees into portrait mode. And it's hard to describe how this thing actually feels because that curve, when you put it into portrait mode, it curves almost over the top of your head. Huh. And so it feels like you're sitting behind, like you're in a cockpit of, you know, a plane because you have that curved glass or a curved screen that kind of simulates the curved glass you'd get in a cockpit. And it's just like really kind of crazy and weird. And like, I have never used a monitor like this. So it was just, I know I had a, I had a blast. Mm-hmm. Um, I, buddy, buddy 305 love in the chat was asking, it's like, Oh, did Samsung let you take that home? Uh, very much. No, I really <laughs> want to take it home. Um, but th- even the one I checked out was still in pre-production. So there's uh, RGB lighting in the back yeah. that, um, you know, will sync to your content. But it was only on blue that day because it's still, you know, they're running through a couple of the pre-production things. It's scheduled to go on sale sometime in September. Um, Damn. It was just like, yeah, and it really kind of opened my eyes. And it's like, I I know this is like really bad of me, but I was like, oh, I want a desk with like three of those all in cockpit mode, all right next to each other. And it's like, this is like the most insane setup because each one is $3,500. So now we're looking at like over $10,000 for a setup like that. But it like, it looks awesome. I mean, I have two questions for you, but before I get to my two questions, I too find it difficult to describe a curve. Um, but when you're in cockpit mode, did you feel like the the it was like overwhelming to the point where you felt like the screen might fall on you? No, it's actually really stable. There's a huge, a huge like it has a huge square base, and um, it, if you check out our uh, hands-on with it, you can see that like I go in and I rotate it and. You know the 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 back and the the stand are pretty stable. It also does come with a, a wall mount included. So if you you know if you want to like make sure it's like attached to something that's not going to go anywhere, um, you can do that too. And my other question is a potentially stupid question, which is why are there two remotes? Like, what would you need two remotes for? So one remote is kind of like your a standard TV remote, and that's just for like changing settings um, uh, really quickly. The, the wireless arc uh, dial is basically you have that on your desk and that's for switching between like multi view mode or flex move screen really quickly. And it also has like uh, a volume control and, you know, because it's a dial, it's actually super easy to use. Um, it, it only took me like, you know, a few minutes to like get used to like, oh, switching between modes, adjusting dial and you can switch inputs and on, uh, on that too. So it's really, you know, I think, you know, for all the people who like hate like adjusting their monitor's settings with those like buttons that are often like hidden behind the back of the thing. It's just, it's so much nicer to use. I know like, you know, more recently some companies have been putting joysticks, which are great, but this is even better. Um, And I kind of wish that like, at least for all high-end monitors that they come with like a really nice wireless uh, remote that you can just, you know, adjust the volume. And, oh, I forgot to mention, this thing has six speakers on it too. Most monitors just don't have any audio at all. Um, but this thing has six speakers, uh, one in each corner, and then it has two subwoofers in back. And so you get way better sound than you'd ever expect from a monitor, which usually it's like, if they have audio at all, it's usually an afterthought. Um, and so you get almost that, it's not quite 360 spatial sound, but you get that kind of immersive, you know, every multidimensional uh, sound uh, effect. Yeah. I, I'm not a gamer, but I am very tempted to fight you for reviewing this now. I'm just like, uh, I think I want this. I, I, have, I have no idea if Samsung's even going to send uh, send stuff out. Because apparently, when you order this, you kind of need like a white glove delivery service. Because it's like, it's so big and it's 
relatively fra- fragile. You know, you can't just throw this thing around. So, you know, they, they have to have people come and deliver it to your doorstep and help you get it in wherever you live. Um, and so that that seems like a big, you know, a big to do. And on top of that, I personally, I don't even know if I have space for it in my place. Right. Um, I, I think I would try to find room. But yeah, it's it's just a huge giant gaming display and you know we've seen the like the trend of like monitors getting bigger and bigger like you know just a few years ago the standard monitor size was 24 inches and now it's 27 and it's getting closer to 30 and so now we have this 55 inch thing and that's going to knock the average all out of whack i i know i i don't know yeah like you said i don't know if we're ever going to get a review unit in but uh i i I'm very tempted. I haven't seen like also uh, if you're listening or watching this, uh, go check out our hands-on video. Uh, we've been playing it on the live stream uh, of the Engadget podcast recording, and it's like straight gadget porn for me right now. <laughs> I'm just like, oh yes, that thing turns. Yeah. That thing. The, I, that's a that's a good way to describe it because it's like that's one of those these these drool worthy gadgets that like if you had infinite amounts of money, you, you'd absolutely love to have one. At the same time, it's like. In the real world, when I'm thinking about like, oh, I got to pay for stuff and, you know, I, I, they can't just uh, uh, magically appear this thing in my yep. home. It's yep. like, hmm, now I got to decide like, oh, do I want to, you know, pay my rent this month or <laughs> have this giant gaming display? Yeah, exactly. Hey, speaking of gadget porn that might be a bit more affordable, Adidas this week uh, announced or launched its new solar headphones that are charged by light, sure, but can also be charged by your bedroom light, which uh, just, I'm not great at science. I'm better at tech science. But <laughs> these, these are the RPTO2 Soul wireless headphones, uh, and they can store up to 80 hours, or, or well, they feature up to 80 hours of stored playtime, uh, and they'll cost about $229. So, you know, not like your average $3,500 curved gaming, gaming monitor. Um, but what, I mean, we, we've seen a spate of like light powered or solar powered headphones come out recently. What do you think of this trend, Sam? Uh, I think it's cool. I think, you know, one of the things that like, I think is annoying for people today is just like constantly have to worry about all their different devices being charged. And it just like, it, 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 obviously it's not a huge deal, but there is like some like low lying, like mental tax that you have to deal with. It's like, I got to charge my watch. I got to charge my phone. I got to charge my tablet. I got to charge my laptop. And so anything that you can have that you just don't have to worry about, hey, is it, you know, do I have to plug it in or do I have to like make sure and top it off? It just, it makes your life a little bit easier to deal with. And I think, you know, one of the interesting things is that um, for a lot of solar powered gadgets, um, you know, your typical like bedroom lamp light or, you know, indoor light is usually not enough to keep it charged. And so I think it's interesting that like, oh, it can be charged by sunlight or by indoor lighting. And so I think that's really nice to have that, you know, flexibility where you don't have to worry about it. Like, oh, I put it on my desk and my desk isn't near a window. And okay, now my solar charging thing is useless. So you don't have to worry about that with this, I think. Um, and so that that's definitely a good thing. It sounds yeah. I mean, I again don't. I'm not fully up to speed on the actual science of how the difference between natural light and so-called artificial light is. But yes, the the soul. These are on-ear headphones, by the way, not like true wireless earbuds. They have like the the headband um, linking the two ear cups, and 
you know, we've seen the RPT-01 before, uh, which were nice. And this was a, this is also not Adidas' like first headphones. Also, Adidas is teaming up with a company called Zound Industries on these. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I like the idea that like you don't have to use solar slash natural light to charge these if only because like you don't know like some people don't ever see the light of day you know what i mean like it's i mean not that you can't charge it any other way right there's obviously going to be like standard wire wire charging available but if you i don't know work in a place that's always in fluorescent lighting and you just want to like leave your headphones there and let them charge hopefully this will work for them too um the headband of the of these headphones are made of a flexible light cell material uh, called uh, made by a Swedish solar tech company called Powerfoil. So it can actually be this solar cell that they're talking about. It can actually be screen printed onto plastic, so it can actually be brought to all kinds of other like things like walls or cars or other types of consumer electronics. So maybe one day we can see light powered devices in more places. Uh, so I think that's pretty cool. And one last thing that happened this week that I just wanted to shout out because it seems just so, 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 so petty and so right off my alley. Uh, Airbnb has started testing anti-party technology. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, in the US and Canada, uh, it'll look for signs of potentially high-risk reservations. Sam, how does this make you feel? Like, are you, are you like me and you're like curmudgeonly and old and you're like, everybody should stop partying past 11 p.m.? What do you, what do you like to do? Um, I, I, I think it's like understandable because, you know, no, no, no Airbnb host, Airbnb host wants to be the person where, you know, a bachelor party comes in and they just tear up the place and right. they think it's like, oh, we're going to, we're going to pretend to be, you know, spinal tap and just like go buck wild. Um, but like. You know, and, and they, you know, Airbnb already does this a little bit to a certain extent where, like, you know, you can set limits on the amount of people and, like, you know, a lot of hosts will be like, hey, you have to have a certain amount of guests. Like, and even some hosts, will like, will come meet you and, like, make sure that, like, you're not having, you know, too many people over. Where the thing that, like, gets, you know, and, and so th- my question is, like, wh- how do they really determine potentially high-risk reservations? Right? Exactly. Um, and, and, like, you know, I guess you can look at age as, like, if you have, like, you know, 15, 18 year olds in an Airbnb. Okay. Yeah. That's probably a good sign that like something is going to go just awry and, you know, maybe we'll start throwing chairs in the pool or something like that. But, um, you know, it's, it's hard to tell how far like this system is going to go in terms of like screening for potentially nefarious party goers who are staying at an Airbnb. Uh, so, so the, the Airbnb has been testing this in Australia already and also, uh, you know, has provided some of the general factors that it looks at, uh, to detect potentially high risk reservations. Uh, they'll look at things such as how long the, the booker, the person's booking has had their Airbnb account, how far away the listing is from where they're based and their history of positive reviews. So like, obviously like a review process that helps people kind of not have an honor system, but like, it's like your Uber rating, right? If you're going to keep throwing up in Ubers, you're not, probably not going to get another <laughs> Uber in a long time. Yeah, um, yeah. And then uh, if someone is trying to make a booking during the week or over the weekend is also another thing that people will consider like Super Bowl weekend. I bet they're on like super high alert, that sort of thing. Sure. Sure. Or like Mar- Mardi Gras, you know, if you're making an Airbnb reservation over Mardi Gras, it's like, Chances are that that reservation might get a little wild. 
Right. Uh, and, and, you know, if, if you've planned a stay of one or two nights only over a weekend in the same city that you live, they'll also flag that. And then in those situations, uh, you know, if you've been precluded from staying at an entire home based on those factors, you can still book a hotel room or a private, like, private room. But if you do that, then uh, <laughs> they say the host is more likely to be at the property. <laughs> like, all right, I, I got to check you out here <laughs> before they allow you to take on the private room. So uh, this is uh, following, by the way, a worldwide ban on parties at uh, Airbnb properties that was enacted back in June. Um, and it was supposedly to be have, to have been brought in on a temporary basis after uh, COVID-19, just to kind of... The reasoning was like social distancing is important, right? But I mean, nobody, like you said, no host wants to see their property trash. So this... I kind of get it, but I also think it's just kind of funny to watch. I'm just like, yeah, I'm here eating my popcorn. But this is also the latest in a bunch of things that have like annoyed people about Airbnb. Julio, our uh, live stream video producer, has mentioned that like, oh, yet another reason to not use Airbnb. And Ben, our, our podcast producer, also brought up the fact that like people, you know, just in the general zeitgeist now really hate Airbnb for the one of the main reasons being Airbnbs are just way more expensive now. You get way more sticker shock from Airbnbs <clears throat> because they charge you this humongous cleaning fee on top mm -hmm. of the booking fee and all of that. Sam, have you used Airbnb? Like, do, does this make you not want to use Airbnb? Um, I don't really think it affects me because uh, most of the time, like, I'm traveling. It's like a lot of times, like, I use an Airbnb when I went to go uh, to Google I.O. a few years back. And it goes like... Because there aren't a ton of hotels in that area. And so Airbnb, Airbnbs actually make a lot more sense. You know, I'm going there and like all I want to do is have like good Wi-Fi and like a place to write and, you know, air conditioning to make sure it's not too hot. And it's like that's really all I care about. And so like I'm not sure that like this really affects me in any way. Mm -hmm. um, and you're not but, a like, partier. <laughs> I mean, not – I. I, as like a homeowner myself, like I, I just I understand it. Like I, you don't want people to come in and mess up your place, and you like you just want people to be respectful. And I think, you know, I think that's the spirit of you know what they're trying to do. And I don't really have an issue with that. But it, it, you kind of brought up an interesting point where it's like, you know, with the rise of Ubers, like a lot of people started hating on taxis, and it's like, and then when when all this stuff happened with Uber, where like you know they had a lot of issues with you know, um. The pricing being uh, kind of the, the the surge pricing being really high or just like a lot of the issues with like some drivers and some uh, customers not getting along. If you really have this like dichotomy of like, you know, do you like the institutionalized taxi system? Do you like the institutionalized hotel system? Or you are more like free spirited where like, you know, you're going to go in someone else's car in an Uber. You're going to go stay in someone else's home uh, in an Airbnb. And I think more recently, I felt like a lot of people are going back to the like, Oh, we, I used to go to Airbnbs all the time, but like now I'm kind of like starting back to like I prefer hotels again. Right. I, I, yeah, I don't, I have never booked an Airbnb on my own. I don't believe the only time I really want to consider Airbnbs is when I have like a larger group, like my family with multiple partners or multiple co uh, cousins and their partners and that sort of thing. Then I'm like, okay, a hotel might be nice, but it'd be even nicer if we could all be in the same big house. So that's where I go to like an Airbnb type instead of, going straight to a hotel and you're right like sometimes I feel icky going to like a hotel chain as opposed to like trying to you know support local businesses or something like that mm -hmm. so it's tricky 
Yeah, and it's kind of interesting because like I I was trying to plan like a get uh, get together with like some of my high school friends, and so it's like you know three or four families plus like a bunch of kids, and so we needed like a big place with a lot of rooms and a lot of space, and like you, it's hard to find hotel rooms that accommodate fifteen people, but like you know sometimes you can have a house that like or you know two houses next to each other that can accommodate that many people, and. I'll be interested to see, like, you know, how do they distinguish that from, like, a party house where it's, like, you know, if I have, you know, let's say, like, eight adults plus another eight kids, you know, there's a good chance that the kids might mess something up because they're Right, I was going to say. That's what, that, that's what kids do. Yeah. But, like, our intention is not to have a party. Um, but – and so I, I'm curious to see if that if that is an impacts things at all. Yeah, that's very interesting. If you're listening or you're tuning in and you have thoughts or you're an Airbnb host uh, and you have thoughts on Airbnb itself or anything else we've talked about today, make sure to send us an email at podcast.engadget.com. We love getting your mail. We'll talk about it on the show. Um, So it's a fun time to interact with us. So let's move on to what we're working on. I know we're both still kind of putting finishing touches on our reviews, but Sam, what's up for you after Samsung? After Samsung, I got a couple things I can't quite talk about. They might be foldable devices. Um, uh, as a, as a maybe kind of a hint, without giving away or breaking any embargoes, IFA is coming up. So they're you know stay tuned for a lot more coverage on you know new announcements um, for IFA. And uh, I think that's all I can say for now. Yeah, I am more more or less the same as you. I'm going to wrap up the Z Flip 4 and the Watch 5 and Watch 5 Pro reviews. And then I will be, you know, keeping an eye on IFA news. You and I have seen this mysterious other thing <laughs> you've been, you were alluding to. Uh, and I'm out here living my best life trying to start a TikTok account. Uh, and, 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 and this is from multiple companies. Multiple companies are coming out with some foldable products very soon so if you if you like the whole flexible screen trend uh you know stay tuned to gadget for more in the meantime uh what have you been watching or doing to relax sam yeah so uh, i just started uh season three of the boys and uh i i've you know i've really liked this show uh you know since the beginning but like i've only seen i'm only one episode in and just the pacing of this first episode is incredible. They go through so many things, and it's just like it feels like I mean I don't know if like it's on Amazon Prime. I don't know what the rating system is for streaming services, but like this show is just like kind of nuts. And there's I I don't want to spoil anything, but like I was totally unprepared for everything that they launched into in the first like just the first fifteen minutes of the episode, and then they just like they touch on. They did a really great job of touching on all the different storylines from the previous season and, like, catching you up on them in a way that, like, was totally interesting and not boring at all. And also just, like, there's a definite uh, shock and awe factor where it's just, like, there's, like, little little snippets of, like, some of the side characters doing some things. It's like, oh, oh, okay. (laughs) Uh, And then, um, yeah, I was, like, I was just not prepared for it. Um, But I'm enjoying it so far. And I really like the fact that, like, they're really leaning into, like, the kind of you know, subversion of your expectations because, you know, the whole, the whole series is founded on like, okay, what if superheroes were actually the bad guys? Right. And then now they're just like the, the, the amount of layering they're doing for the satire and the parody of like what that kind of theme can do is just, I, I really appreciate the, the kind of all the levels and the, the depth that they're doing it with. I see that 
on the image we've got on the screen and on the live stream right now, we've got Mr. Jensen Ackles in his mm-hmm. The Boys debut. Uh, Jensen Ackles is what like a new addition to the roster season three. And Jensen Ackles, for those of you who don't know, it played Dean on Supernatural, a uh, long-running, very long-running TV series that me and Valentina Palladino, our senior commerce editor, both loved. Uh, we're very much Dean Dean fans, and it's nice to see him in this. Uh, have you seen Peacemaker yet, Sam? Have we talked about this? Um, I want to watch it, and that's been on the list, but I haven't had time uh, okay. to, to fit it in my schedule. Because I get very similar vibes from Peacemaker um, to The Boys, except I know The Boys goes even more even more graphic and and Yeah, I, I feel like The Boys is more gory, whereas like Peacemaker yeah. is... There's a little bit more whimsicalness to that show. Um, it, it gets but, graphic, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they're, the way they approach humor in those shows is like... Very similar, but also there is some differences, I think. Uh, I mean, I'll bet. Um, speaking of, like, kind of crazy shows, I watched um, Day Shift, the the new Netflix movie uh, uh, starring Jamie Foxx, Dave Franco. It's basically about, like, these vampire hunters, but a very, very fresh take on vampire hunters. It's I've never seen before. Uh, Jamie Foxx is just, like, down and out. Uh, I think sort of separated from his wife guy that is just trying to keep his kid in the same state, that sort of thing. You know the typical trope of that that setup? Um, and his main source of income is taking down vampires and as goes the lore in this show, trading in their teeth or fangs for money. And then the, the movie is able to bring in some very like real life economic woes of like oh you have to pay your union dues oh you got the processing fees so like you know he thought he was gonna make for example a thousand bucks and he ends up making only like 20 because <laughs> half the fees up front for membership dues early processing fee i i mean like it's both it's it's got great drama great action and then like good comedy because you know that writing is just is very fresh to me i have to like clarify though up front and you know disclaimer i haven't seen the full movie like i started watching it and then like i just had to like do more testing or whatever so this week has been hard to find time to do anything like relaxing like that so if it ends poorly please do not blame me for my recommendation all i think is it's been a very fast setup a very fresh setup very fun premise so far so uh i i suspect it's gonna be a good ending anyway so go check it out well, that's it for the episode, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. This podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Sam online at... At Sam Rutherford on Twitter, and of course, as always, on Gadget.com. If you want to share with me links of the wildest Airbnb listings, please share them with me. On Twitter, I am at Sherlyn Lowe. Email us your thoughts at podcast.gadget.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes. And subscribe on your favorite podcast catcher. The most Sherlin thing I've ever heard in my life.